Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I am so happy to have Bree Seely with us. Now, over the last month or so, you've heard a lot about Potapalooza. And while Bree and I did not meet at that event, there were people there that highly recommended that she should come on the show. So we didn't record it that day, but I'm so happy to have met her and to have this discussion today about turning your books into a sustainable business. Because, you know, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you've heard me say that writing a book is not a field of dreams where you write it and everyone comes. It's a tool. It's a marketing tool that you use to build your business and you will only get out of your book as much as you use it. So Bree is the entrepreneur coach and founded of Born for This. She guides entrepreneurs to create long-term sustainable and scalable success like that on their terms. She knows that you are the greatest business strategy and will support you in crafting a custom blueprint to help you thrive and profit. And Brie distills her 14 years of real world experience into digestible, tangible tools to help entrepreneurs be themselves unapologetically, love that, while impacting the world and building wealth. Welcome to the show, Brie. Hello, thank you for having me. So Brie, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit, like, how did you become the entrepreneur coach? Yeah, I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. My mom uh, owned businesses when I was growing up. And so when I was 15, she would like toss me the keys and be like, don't burn the place down. Call me if you need anything. And so I very much was raised in with that mindset, with that um, that perspective. But the funny thing is I, I went to college thinking, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I see what my mom goes through. I never want to do that. And fast forward a little bit. I got my bachelor's, got my master's. Uh, came back to the United States after getting my master's and didn't have an opportunity in the place I was living to get a job in the field that I had studied in and that I thought I was going to be in. I had two degrees in fashion design. I was living in Seattle. There were no fashion jobs. So I was like, well, I'm just going to start a little thing. And so I started doing just one-offs, a prom dress, a bridesmaid's dress, a flower girl dress here and there. Uh, fast forward over the course of eight years, I went from creating one-off dresses to my collection was on purchasable on zappos.com. I was doing multiple runways. I was at the largest trade shows in America. I was dressing people like Tony Braxton and had my stuff on the bachelor and all this stuff. Um, but I was not happy and I was having panic attacks and I just, I was spinning myself into overwhelm and burnout and all of these other things. And so, uh, almost seven years to the day of us recording this, I, uh, con- I, in short succession, hired a business coach for $25,000, uh, totaled my car 
and then was in meditation and got a very clear message that I needed to shut down my fashion business and walk away. And so I was like, all right, well, I've been an entrepreneur for eight years, like game on universe. Like, what do you want me to do instead? Where do you want me to go? And so I started just kind of making space for like, what's next. I kept the business coach, even though I didn't have a business anymore and kind of, you know, started taking steps. And then a few weeks realized that people had been asking me for years, your business is so successful. How did you get your business to be where it was? And like, you know, so much, and you had this place press placement and you've done this with your business. And like, how do you do all these things? And at the time people had asked for help. I was like, I'm a fashion designer. I don't do that. Go to somewhere, someone else. And so I was like, well, maybe this is the universe giving me like hints and nudges that like I just couldn't see before. And so I started coaching seven years ago and within my first year, I'd hit six figures. And, uh, within my second year, I'd published a best-selling book and within, you know, my third year, it was just like all these things just kept coming. And so it's been an amazing seven years of, uh, teaching entrepreneurs and helping them both internally and externally. Um, and then in 2019, I became the top ranked entrepreneur coach on Google. Uh, and so that was, that was really cool. I've done enough stuff that Google's like, Oh, this lady knows what she's doing. We're going to put her at the top of the list. So, you know what? I, I love your story, but one thing, you know, sometimes beginning entrepreneurs kind of miss. So they've just heard this whole story and, you know, what probably stood out to them was, you know, when you started your second business within one year, you're at a hundred thousand, you know, you published your book and whatever. And I think sometimes entrepreneurs are kind of like, well, why can't I do that? But they don't realize that you had all these years of experience before you started that second business to back you up. And I think that's something that's really important because I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, we think, oh, well, this person did it. Why can't I? And I will also tell you that the first nine months of that year, I made almost zero money. And so, you know, it's like, and I will tell you exactly what shifted. And some one of the women in my, um, I have a membership community. One of the women in my membership community was like, what was the thing? Like the one thing that went, it literally took me from being unable to pay my bills to creating six figures in revenue in like just a few months. And the one thing was, and I think this is a huge myth in entrepreneurship. People think, and you and I actually talked about it before we, before we started that like build it and they will come thing. It's like, that's not how business works. So I had built this business and was like, okay, I'm coaching people now. So like people will come to me. And my coach said to me, she was like, you need to reach out to people. You need to be proactive. You need to offer your services to people. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not going to do that. I'm not and, a salesperson. <laughs> right. And so I got through nine months of having almost no sales because I didn't do the things you need to do to make sales in your business. So literally what changed was I started taking massive bold action. I just did a coaching session with a client this morning about this. You take passive actions, you get passive results. You want bold results. You got to take bold actions. And a lot of times what that looks like is reaching out to people, telling them that you have this service that you're offering, asking them if they need it, or if they know anyone else that needs it, or like the, my first five figure month was me just like hitting the pavement. 
and reaching out to people saying, Hey, I know you've been struggling with this thing. I can help you. Would you like to have a conversation? And it is uncomfortable as all get out. Like it is not fun. But I also, when I teach people, I'm like, you have to do something every single day that makes you want to puke. You really want those kinds of big results. You cannot build a seven figure business by sitting around eating bonbons and posting on Instagram. I'm sorry, but you just can't do it. And it doesn't happen by luck. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go out and you have to take the actions to get it still seven years into my business. I have a dedicated day that is all about pitching. It's all about reaching out, forming partnerships, talking to people, do it like the amount of outreach it takes to have a six or seven figure business is immense. And frankly, if you're not willing to do that, you're never going to be able to have a sustainable business. Yeah. I, I always think back to that quote by Seneca, you know, luck is where preparation meets opportunity and you don't get opportunity until you've done the preparation. Yeah. But you also don't get opportunity from just sitting around waiting for it to happen. You get it by going yeah. out and taking those uncomfortable steps to take yourself forward little by little by little. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's almost like farming, you know, you've got to till that really hard ground, right. And get it all soft. You got to plant that seed. You got to water that seed and you see nothing. You then add a, add, add a whole bunch of crap on top of it. <laughs> we won't use the other word because this is a friendly zone. And, uh, you know, wait a while, continue to water, you know, and this goes on for months sometimes before, you know, you see that harvest. But you've got to do all of that work first before you really see the results that you want. Well, even with a harvest, I grew up in the Midwest. So like I, you know, my hometown was surrounded by cornfields. It's not like the farmers do all that work and then the corn grows and they're like, oh, it's going to come to me. They still have to go out and, and get, it, get it. They still yeah. have to cut it all down. They have to process all the stocks. They have to pull all the corn. Out. Like there's still so much to do. Even after the fruit starts showing, you still have to go out and get it. And that is what yes. those bold actions are essentially. Mm -hmm. So that's how I hit six figures. And that's how I continue to hit, you know, six and multiple six figures in my business is like, it takes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you have to be willing to pay that price. And, and, you know, this is a word that entrepreneurs not don't like to hear, but it's called sacrifice. Well, and courage. It takes yeah. a lot of courage to be your biggest advocate and to go out to people and say, you know, I have a solution for you. Yeah. Are, would you be interested in having a conversation about it? Like it takes a lot of gumption to be able to do that. And it can be scary. And still to me, to this day, it can be scary. You just, but you just get up and you keep doing it because that's what you have to do. And you learn that no becomes your friend. You know, before I was a publisher, um, I was in network marketing for a long time. And I mean, I failed 12 years. I failed at network marketing. I have no idea why I stayed in it, except I just loved being an entrepreneur. And it was finally when I joined a company that had an amazing mentorship program. And uh, one of the managers took me under her wing and I spent two years with her. And, you know, within about six months, I could almost mimic everything she did to a T. And then I started making it my own. So I learned how she did it. And then I made it my own. But, you know, she talked about the fact that no needs to become your friend. And no doesn't always mean no either. And so we made it a game. You know, how many no's does it take to get a yes? 
And after a while, I knew my stats so well. I knew how many no's it took to get a yes. And so it then just became a game of, okay, how many no's can I get? And that that changed everything for me because I stopped looking at no's as rejection. It's like no's is just part, no's is the roadway to yes. So if I want to hit yes, I've got to take those no's and not take them seriously either. So, you know, I, I, I love what you said, but I get it. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years now. There are still times I don't want to send out that email. I don't want to get on that phone. I don't want to talk to that person. I just want someone to come to me and say, can you write your book and here's the money? Yeah, right. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way, but you can always dream, right? <laughs> Totally. Uh, that just reminded me of an email I have to send. Uh, well, and I think one other other element that you just mentioned that is really important and part of my story as well is the, the mentorship piece. Like, mm. had I not hired that coach or had I decided to walk away from that coaching relationship when I totaled my car and shut down my business, I would not be sitting here talking to you today. Yeah. There's absolutely no way that mm-hmm. you and I, like, I would not I would not have made it seven years in my business if I hadn't hired her because I was going from, you know, a product-based business to a, and even then I, I did not like to sell in that business. I was like, I'm good enough that people will just come to me. It's like, well, that's not how that works. So I say all these things too, because like I've done I've done the opposite of these things. Like I've tried to sit around and just let people come to me and it doesn't work. I know these things that, you know, a lot of experience. I also have 15 years of experience. Um, So had I not hired that woman to be my coach and to teach me how to run an online business and what's required and how to effectively market. Yes. I always thought my fashions would just speak for themselves. And to a point they did. Um, but not to a point that was enough to get enough sales in the door for me to continue doing that business. Because the truth is I needed to have a full team behind me and I just didn't have the capacity. I didn't have the money for it um, because I wasn't selling my items. Uh, And so hiring a coach and having mentorship hands down is one of the single best things that I did because I probably wouldn't have even made it through that first year of business uh, without her. You know, one thing I find funny when I talk to entrepreneurs, and I mean, I kind of had the same mindset, but, you know, entrepreneurs who want to become entrepreneurs, but don't want to sell. And and I keep thinking, yeah, but entrepreneurship is all about sales. Like, how do you think the money comes in? It, You know, like it's, I've got this great product or service, but I don't want to sell it. Well, you don't really have a business then, you have a hobby. What I see a lot with people is there's a lot of, perceptions about what sales means and who you have to be in order to make sales. And you know, there's, there's a, just a lot of narratives out there about sales that are, are frankly false. And yeah. so I think a lot of people get into entrepreneurship thinking those things and yeah. then have, I mean, really so much of entrepreneurship. And I was just on, I'm a member of my, a mastermind, a peer led mastermind with three of my colleagues. And we were on the call today. And I said, what do you think is like the biggest mistake that entrepreneurs make? Or like, what do you think is the biggest thing they need? And one of my girlfriends said um, that mindset piece, because it is more of a personal growth journey yes. than it really is a business growth journey. And the business growth comes when you've done the personal growth. And so 
you have to undo any and all of those narratives that you're telling yourself around what entrepreneurship is or what it means or why sales is good or bad or your capacity to make money or like, I mean, all of those narratives have to be shifted because the story you are telling becomes your reality. So if you're telling a story about, you know, not being able to make enough money to support yourself, you're going to create that story. If you tell a story about hating sales and not being capable of selling, you're going to create that story. So or there's I think not that- enough customers out there. There's not enough business for me. Oh, it's COVID. No one wants to buy. No one's going to buy from me during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, we could go into probably days worth of (laughs) excuses and stories and stuff. And I say this not with no judgment because like I had my own narratives that I had to break through, you know, being raised by an entrepreneur, I adopted all of my mom's ideas about entrepreneurship. And then it reached a point where I was like, is this really like, is this really what's aligned for me? Is this really the story? I want one of the ones she used to say all the time was like, as an entrepreneur, you'll never take home a paycheck a day in your life. And I didn't take home a paycheck a day in my life for the first 10 years of my business <laughs> because I, I couldn't. Yeah. And then once I shifted that, like I'm on payroll now. In fact, I gave myself a 30% raise so far this year. And next quarter, I'm giving myself another 30% raise. And the quarter after that, I'm giving myself another 30% raise. Like, yeah. and I, you know, I deserve to be paid and paid well. I put a lot into my business and my business needs to compensate me for it. So all of those things have to be shifted in order for you to create your vision of success in your business. You know, one thing I, I've been so happy to see is the perspective on sales. I don't know if you can see the book back there, but selling from the heart, right? And um, that's one of my clients, Larry Levine, and and his whole goal is to change how sales professionals see themselves and how they sell. And his goal is to, you know, sell in that authentic, genuine relationship based way. So I'm I'm so happy to see that things are changing within the, the sales perceptions because it's yeah. not it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to be sleazy, slimy and manipulative. You can be real, genuine, kind, caring and develop relationships. Well, and the way that I teach sales is I'm like, you're literally just having a conversation with someone. Yeah. They have a need. You have a solution and you're literally just having a conversation to be like, can I provide a solution to your need? And do you want the solution that I can provide to your need? Yes or no. And if it's a no, it's like, okay, cool. Good luck. Like, I hope you find a solution to your need. Like, I'm going to be over here with my solution. If you decide you want it, you come hang out with me. That's literally all sales is, is you have a problem. I have a solution. Here's how I can solve your problem. Do you want it? Yes or no? That's really it. It's I know. so simple, but so we, simple. especially women, we tie up our worth. We tie up our value. We tie up so much into the idea of sales and making money and people saying yes or no to us. And I mean, there, there really is entrepreneurship. Like I said, it's a personal growth journey above all else. And I will tell you that I am a radically different woman than I was, uh, you know, 15 years ago. I, I even, yeah, it's I I love the woman that I've become and it's because of entrepreneurship that I have evolved into being this person and I will continue to evolve, right? Like I don't Exactly. I'm never going back to work for anyone else. There's no there is no way that's ever happening. Lord knows I would not I would not do well. I would not <laughs> succeed. Uh so yeah, I I will continue to evolve. I will continue to grow and it's because of of what I've committed to mm-hmm. uh in my business that lets me do that. That is so awesome. 
All right. So I know today we want to talk about turning your book into a sustainable business. So I'm going to let you loose for, you know, five minutes or so to talk about that and then, and then we'll discuss it. Perfect. So I think one of the things I see with authors in general is that they um, they think very narrowly, right? Like they think about just the book or they think about just being an author. And one of the things that I really encourage people into is really thinking bigger, like thinking past that book. How can that book just become a piece of the puzzle that is your larger business? Um, and then of course it becomes, okay, how do, how do you then take that and turn that into a sustainable, repeatable process. Um, and so the other thing uh, is that I like to think of having a book as just an opening. It's almost like uh, the like it's a business card nowadays, right? It's an opening to start a conversation with someone. But in order to continue that conversation with someone, you have got to have the ability to continue communicating with them in some way. And so I'm sure this is something you probably include, but like having some sort of call to action within that book to bring people more deeply into your world so that when you have when you turn your book into a business that there are opportunities to communicate with the people that are the readers to bring them more and more and more and more and more mm -hmm. into your realm um, and then of course then the next question becomes okay well you're bringing them more and more and more into your realm and you're communicating with them now what are you selling them? Like, what are the revenue streams that you are adding on to that book that basically takes them through a bigger journey? Uh, and then of course, with those revenue streams, then what are the profit margins and how many, you know, what, what are your KPIs? Uh, and then all of the, like, you know, technical money, logistical things that come along with being a business owner and making money. So Having a vision, thinking about it as more than just a book or thinking about yourself as more than just an author, mm -hmm. um, using that book as an opening to start and facilitate the beginning of a conversation so that you can continue communicating with them. And then lastly, when you are communicating with them, then what additional products or um, services are you offering to them mm -hmm. as revenue streams to continue their journey? Yeah, I loved I loved what you said there. And it, it's so true. And, you know, one thing other thing I was thinking of in terms of books is it's also a positioning tool because, you know, you talked about getting that conversation. And I think one of the things that books is effective of doing is positioning you as that go to person. You know, I tell my clients that we're writing a book that's going to solve very specific problems for very specific people so that when they read the book, they will want to work with you because you've already proved that you can solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of that vision piece is, you know, if you're looking at the book as solving this problem, part of that vision piece of thinking bigger than just your book is okay. But if, if I'm just solving this problem with the book, what is the larger kind of like arc line of this person's story? Mm -hmm. And where do, where do they come to me at on that arc line? And yes. if I can get them one step with this book, great, but how do I support them through the rest of that arc line to continue moving yeah. them forward in their journey as well? Yeah. And some people describe it as a funnel, right? The book is the top of the funnel. You get them in and how do you move them down to each step till they finally plop out at the bottom as a, as a customer or a client, right? So, you know, I think it's so important. Like, like you said, you have to see your book differently. 
Well, I think this is a whole new thing. You know, I, I remember reading books growing up or even when I, I first started getting into personal development and there were no, there were no calls to actions in those books. There were no like, you know, this is come join my community. Or in my book, it's like, hey, there's an opportunity for you to download all the worksheets and all the meditations that I mentioned along with this book for free if you just go to this URL, right? So there's so many, um, there's so many ways now to use that book kind of just as a, a spark to mm-hmm. then take someone on a much bigger journey. Um, and it is interesting. You mentioned, of course, the name of the podcast, but you mentioned the authority piece as well. And uh, I had a, a woman who I'd known for years when I wrote my book and she's, she immediately, when I wrote my book was like, I need to work with you. And I was like, what changed? And she was like, there was something about you becoming an author that I just knew now was the time. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like I've written all sorts of stuff. I used to write for the Huffington Post, like all sorts of stuff before I became an author. And she was like, yeah, there was something about you just becoming an author that was like, now's the time that I need to hire Brie. So there is an authority piece that goes with it as well, um, which then of course feeds all of those other things that I talked about. Well, you know, it's funny. One of the things that that I've taught is, you know, there's a perception out there, but you might as well use the perception. And the perception is an author is a more credible expert than someone who is not. And it's not true. But it's just how people see things. It's how we perceive the value of a book. I don't know about you. I mean, you you told me before you just moved recently, right? Okay. Yep. So how many people have like bookcases of books? Some of them they've read, some of them they haven't. And they will drag all of those books from house to house to house because you do not throw out books. Like it's all, it's, it's almost sacrilegious to throw out a book. Like it it kind of goes against everything that we feel as people that you, I mean, you give the book away, you donate the book, but you never throw that book out. So people will lug them from house to house to house because they don't have time to get rid of them before they move. I have made, I think I calculated, I think it's like nine cross country moves in the last 10 years like something ridiculous. Um, and then a few moves within cities as well that are not even counted in there. Um, and I used to be the one that would lug all these books, all these places with me. And it's true. I I would never throw any of them away. Uh, when I got to Minneapolis, there was this really cool project called the women prison book project. Um, and you could donate your books to women in prison. And so I did, I gave away all of my manifestation books, all of my personal development books, all of my entrepreneur books, because I was like, at this point, there's someone out there that could use them more than me. Um, and I really want someone else to have them and like benefit from them. But I, yeah, I never, I think maybe I've thrown out like one or two books in my life, but they were like, like really bad. Like really, I would, I think I read, I I don't even know what they were at this point, but I was like, this is so bad that I wouldn't even forward this on to anyone else to read, but like two out of like, I mean, I've, I've definitely bought thousands of books. I mean, I don't know if people can see, but so the, I have, we have now have two big bookcases behind here. Uh, this is my boyfriend's bookcase, but I have a matching one next to me. And then we're building a built-in in our, in our living room right now, uh, that literally has bookcases on either side, because despite me getting rid of the majority of my library, it is still <laughs> very large. <laughs> I think the only books I've ever gotten rid of were some old textbooks from high school, but 
<laughs> just like, first of all, it's so outdated. No one's ever going to read them. And I was just like, yeah, I didn't like them in high school. So why would I give them to somebody else? <laughs> I mean, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, if I've read it once and I took what I needed to from it, great. There are some books, like I read The Alchemist once a year. I read it every single year and I gain something new from it every time. So that's a book that, in fact, I gave, I lent out one of my books and the person didn't give it back. I went out and bought another a copy because I was like, I cannot live without this book. Um, but yeah, there's, there are books really do have such a high value in yeah. our world and our society in each of our individual lives. And I, I look at some of the best books that I've ever read. And it's really true that it's like, I, I take what I've learned from that. And then I try to engage even further, either with the author or with a community around that book. And so why not, if you know that you say you're writing a manifestation book, right? Like just as an example or a sales book, and you want, you know, that that person reading it is going to want to take it further and with or without you, they're going to try to take it further. Why not be the one that they take it further with? So like you you have to give people the opportunity to take more steps after they read that book. And the way to do it is to have that call to action, have some sort of ability for them to continue communicating with you and have those revenue streams so that they can keep buying from you. One of my sales mentors says all the time, it is easier to get someone to give you money if their pocketbook is already open. Like it is so much easier to, if someone's already bought your book, it is easier to make a second sale with them or a third sale or a fourth sale than it is to get a new person to read your book. You are so correct. You are so correct there. And I think we, we miss out on that. They, you know, I think people think, well, okay, they've already bought this. They're not going to buy this. Well, you don't know what they're going to buy. I mean, I, I know there's times that I've bought a $7 product and then I went to the $97 product. I've bought the $497 product and then, you know, the $997 product because it, it provided value. It gave me, you know, what I needed, right? And and I was willing to invest. So you definitely have to get rid of that mindset that, you know, people don't buy. They do. Now, I think, you know, people who have the money to pay well, I think, you know, there, you have to learn how to find them and you have to change your mindset to know that they're out there and then learn where they are so that you can get them, get them involved. And yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing too, like, especially for me and my clients is like, yeah, I can give you a step-by-step guidebook, but the likelihood of, I, I work with a good amount of new entrepreneurs. I also work with established entrepreneurs who are ready to kind of like take the next step in their business. Um, but a lot of people know what they need to do, but they don't, they can't do it on their own or they know they need to carve out time every single day to work on their business and they just don't do it. And so a lot of people want that accountability. They want someone on their side to be guiding them. You could give them a book with every single step. And they could not take any of them, but maybe they hire you to help them take those steps. And you literally just guide them through the exact same steps and they create remarkable results simply because you were there with them. Yeah. Like I have a lot of clients, my clients say to me, well, if I give it away all in the book, they won't hire me. And it's like, no, that's not the truth. I mean, I don't know the exact statistic, but in my opinion, about 3% of people are self-motivated enough to be able to take a book, read it and do it. I'm one of those people. 
I do have mentors and things, but I don't really need a lot of accountability. I'm just the person tell me how to do it and I will do it. Right. But most people are not like that. And I some, you know, in my opinion, so statistics, right. <laughs> well, statistics are made up on the spot. Right. So uh, my opinion is, is that, you know, 97% of the people who read your book still will want you there with them during the process, either holding their hand or doing it for them. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I do want to add on into the the last step, that revenue stream step is that also a lot of times entrepreneurs get really stuck in the idea of like, oh, well, I need to go look and see who else has done this kind of thing. Like I need to go see what other authors have turned into sustainable businesses. And we go out and we research and we say, okay, well, I looked at these three people and these are the three revenue streams they developed. So those are my three options. And even though none of them feel good or feel right, and I don't really want to do any of those revenue stream options, those are my only options. So I better just pick one and move on with it. There are unlimited amounts of revenue streams out there. I help people start literally the craziest businesses. One of my most successful clients, she launched a dog treat company. She made 13 grand in dog treats in six weeks. Like just insane. Like I know a woman who is a bridesmaid for hire. Like she literally gets hired to fly around the country and be a bridesmaid in people's weddings, people that she doesn't know. Right. So like the, the idea that there are a limited amount of revenue streams and that you have to choose a revenue stream, even though it doesn't feel good is a total fallacy and a myth. So my invitation for you, as you are trying to develop your revenue stream ideas is one, it needs to be aligned with who you are. If you know that you are a freedom-based individual, probably don't launch a one-on-one consulting business because that is going to go against everything that feels good to you. Um, So you need to know your values. You need to know what works for you. Uh, You also need to know your customers and what they need and what works for them. Um, But you also need to really, um, I totally just lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh my God, this happens all the time. I'm like squirrel. Uh, So you need to know yourself. You need to know what's going to work for you. You need to know your customers. And then you also need to know a little bit of the market, right? But at the end of the day, you have to give yourself permission to do what feels right for you. And don't just try to shame yourself or mold yourself into doing something that feels out of alignment because you cannot create wealth from a place of feeling terrible and feeling out of alignment every single day. So true. So true. So we've got a couple of minutes left here, so we won't be able to do the full section, but you have a book and it's called Permission to Leap, the six-phase journey to bring your vision to life. So I'm going to ask you the one question I ask every guest author on the show. So what was the good, the bad, the ugly of writing and publishing this book? I mean, the good was kind of everything we've talked about, right? Like it's, it's an it's an incoming stream of people for me. And I'm seeing, I've been seeing my, I, the book's been on the market for about four years. I've been seeing my, uh, my commissions grow and grow and grow and grow. And so that's the good thing. I'm getting more and more people to serve more and more people coming into my world and my community, more and more people to talk to and communicate with, which is great. Um, the bad is, uh, you and I kind of talked about this before. And again, like, I think I mentioned earlier too, the build it and they will come thing. I definitely did not plan for the post launch 
marketing. <laughs> it was, it's kind of like, I felt like it was kind of like, I have, I've never done this, but giving birth. And so like, I took all this time, you know, like getting ready to like give birth and get my book out into the world. And then the second it did, I was like, Woo, it's out there. It's done. Yay. And I kind of like, you know, packed up and went home. And I realized later that I wish I would have had a more robust post launch strategy for my book. Um, and then the ugly for me, honestly, I wrote my book in two and a half weeks. So I just ripped the bandaid off. I secluded myself. I went and house sat up in Seattle and basically secluded myself in a townhouse with three cats and just wrote all day, every day for two and a half weeks and walked out with a book. So, uh, the ugly is probably that I like didn't shower for two and a half weeks and just like kept writing and just kept like, I probably was very ugly and I probably didn't smell so great either, but you know, I got it done and it was a lot of work. And I was lucky to have a team around me. Um, but yeah, it's, it is writing a book is like, in fact, I went to a healer afterwards and I was like, why am I feeling so off? And she was like, you have postpartum, you just gave birth to a big, 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 big project. And so now you're sitting in this, this void. And so that was, that was a whole thing in and of itself to navigate. But I mean, it's, it's the ugly is that it's a lot of work and yeah. yeah. Awesome. So Brie, uh, do you have, I know uh, if okay, it's mid-afternoon, my tongue is shutting down. Uh, <laughs> I am one of these extreme morning persons. I'm usually up five, six o'clock working. So by three o'clock, I've already been going like eight, nine hours. And yep. Okay, tongue, you gotta work. If the listeners have are listening to you and they say, I really need to connect with Brie, how can they connect for you? And, and do you have something that um, can be of value to them? Yeah, absolutely. The best way to find me is on Instagram, honestly. And I would love, send me a DM and let me know that you listened to this episode and what you got out of it. Um, would love, 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 love to hear from you. My Instagram is my name, Brie Seely. Um, And then I have a workbook for people that are already entrepreneurs that are really looking to kind of take that next step, whether it's a new revenue stream or a new marketing strategy or whatever that is. And so I have a workbook that'll help you kind of get started down that process. Uh, and it's, if you go to breeseely.com slash grow, G-R-O-W, you can get access to that workbook. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been Bree Seely and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Can I ask a quick favor of you? If you've been enjoying these podcasts and enjoying these episodes, please share them out. I work really hard to bring, you know, excellent vetted experts in to help you grow your business. And if you can help me by sharing the podcast episodes you love and why you love them, I would be so appreciative. So have a great day and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift that I would love to give you. Coming out this year, I am releasing my book, Author to Authority. And if you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, professional coach or speaker, and you want to find out how to gain visibility and how to build your business bigger, stronger, faster, then I recommend that you download a free sample of the Author to Authority book at www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash 
book. It's going to be a great resource for you that teaches the author to authority concept and the six key areas that you build authority in and how you can use a book to do it all faster. So don't forget, get your free copy today.